Hi guys, you're listening to the Morning After the Life Before podcast. I'm Jack Schofield. And I'm Sam Corty. And the idea of this podcast is we're going to invite guests on to talk about their unheard stories behind their success and their character. We want to listen to their mischievous childhoods, bumpy educations and stories that don't quite fit the stereotypical model. The idea is we're going to wake up to find out what really happened behind the scenes and stories that never quite made it to social media. This podcast is currently supported and produced by the team at 226 Photography. Sam, it's been a while. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm currently sat in a dance studio because I'm at training and I'm in between sessions and this is the quietest place I could find in Bisham where there isn't aircon blasting out. So it's dark because I dark. I don't know where the lights are either. <laughs> so if anyone comes in, I'm literally sat in the dark on the floor of a dance studio here. Done two sessions. I've got one more left to go. I've got an ergo to do next, which is going to be super fun because I feel like a bus has hit me. <laughs> Why? I don't know. I'm so unbelievably tired. I'm literally about to nap after we've recorded this intro. Is that why you're squeezing me in at this time? (laughs) Yeah, my place to nap is also the floor of the coach's office because we don't have any other hanging out space here. The other day they found me and one of the coaches nearly tripped over me because I hadn't like tucked myself into the side. I'd literally just fallen asleep on the middle of the floor of their office. (laughs) Are you taking taking, like sleeping bag (laughs) pillows? Like what's the logistics of it? No, I I had like made myself a bit of a pillow with one of my jackets. But apparently yeah, my head wasn't even on it. I was just completely flat on the floor. <laughs> Between sessions or afterwards? Why don't you just go home to sleep? Between sessions. Because it's like that really awkward time of having lunch. Because here I can like shower, yeah. get my lunch recover and then start my next session Mm -hmm. without any like driving in between i do want to read out though the quote that is on the wall of the side of the dance studio go on it says don't feel pain feel the music there you go can you feel the music i can't feel any music right now because it's not playing but i can definitely feel the (laughs) i can definitely feel the pain in my legs (laughs) when have you got trials we're doing some something next weekend and then that's pretty much the start until we break up for christmas so we've got about a month of testing coming up Mm, whole squad everyone's kind of doing different things okay so i'm not entirely sure like what each individual like each separate group on discipline are doing yeah for the women's sweep we've got so we're starting next weekend for about a month and i'm guessing no externals have been invited no exciting it's weird because we haven't really done much racing like we didn't race at all last year so that's gonna be a shock to the system yeah I bet we just have to remember how to do it put it in and push exactly this is the fun part of it yeah for it's sure the racing so it, i'm looking forward to it mm. yeah what about you i've talked a lot about myself yeah i'm good i'm actually flying to florida on monday and i found this out like last night that's pretty wacky quite cool so i'm going with ruth assel who is a pro triathlete and a couple of others and taking some photos for them uh, so i'm there for two weeks and i've got a exemption when i land from the u.s government so i don't have to quarantine or anything and then come back into two weeks of quarantine so that'd be pretty rough uh, i normally struggle quite a lot coming back from trips as a big low from like the dream lifestyle some sun some photos good training to uh, well especially this time it'll be a little flat in bradford but that'd be nice i'll be with uh, vicky my girlfriend so it'll be good for us to actually spend some time together because we're obviously yeah. long distance the majority of the time why do the two weeks take you so if you're two weeks in florida then two weeks in quarantine is that quite close to christmas the 23rd i leave (laughs) 
leave quarantine yeah oh, okay so yeah <laughs> yeah so it is right, christmas yeah. so i've just finished my christmas shopping this morning i was gonna say have, how organized have you been with that very i don't buy many presents i'm pretty pretty stingy to be fair yeah just bought my family all their presents and yeah exactly they might get a postcard from florida if i'm feeling nice we're going to a place called daytona which is about an hour out of orlando that's where they do the um speedway the big cheer competition yeah exactly where they do the big cheer <laughs> cheer from netflix daytona funny story so we actually last time i was with ruth we actually watched that series um when we were on camp so yeah that'd be quite fun and yeah the race is at the speedway cool. so the nascar speedway oh that's and cool. it's the 50 best male and female triathletes 100 athletes have been invited or qualified and um a few can't go but yeah it'd be really exciting so we've obviously got um just hopeful that i can get there covid free because obviously we've got covid tests before we're allowed into the speedway so yeah yeah other than that nothing to just been back training a little bit starting to think about what next year might look like for us obviously we don't really know but if i have a plan then at least we can start to be at least somewhat ready for whatever it might be get thrown our way just before we introduce our guest i need to do a shout out because my brother has decided to be a supportive sibling and has started watching the podcast and i got a phone call the other day how disappointed he was how little mention he'd been getting he is a great guy this is for the needy little brother that once mentioned i'm not even gonna i'm not even oh, gonna say i'm not even gonna say his name but there we go well i'll cut that out then i just said his name but it's it's been removed in the editing so he doesn't get it he's, <laughs> he's got a good pizza oven we had good pizza out of that in the summer yeah he can do that what else can he do he plays a bit of rugby he rides a bike we're chatting about cycling when i was there yeah he rides a bike a bit yeah not very quickly but he does ride a bike no i didn't say it <laughs> <laughs> and he's a builder. He works with, he works with my dad. <laughs> and he's still at uni. So there we go. Jobs are good. That's the life story of my brother. When we introduce our guest, he's going to be like, they talk about themselves so much at the start of the podcast. This isn't normal. We normally do all this stuff offline. Have you got any more updates on Christmas? How will Christmas look for you guys this year? I have made the decision that I'm going to spend... I'm not going to go home for Christmas. I'm going to stay down south. That is mainly because we only get a week before we have to be back down south anyway because we have to quarantine for two weeks before we go on training camp yeah or like isolation training so that week if I was to go home and anyone was to have symptoms you have to isolate in the house for two weeks anyway don't have the two weeks to isolate because I need to be back down south if I want to go on camp and I think with the year that it is we always talk about the sacrifices that we make for me it's just the year that we're in and it's just another one of those sacrifices I'm gonna make because I want to go yeah, to the Olympics Olympic year yeah, this, this, exactly yeah, this is a biggest biggest year of your life so my family are going to try and we're going to see if we can like rent an airbnb or something and like that they're going to have tests just so we can do something as a family um but it basically all yeah. depends what happens when we come out of this second lockdown and what the government decide what we do but i my my resolution to that is i'm going to foster a puppy for the week of christmas <laughs> Amazing. I haven't really looked into that yet, but I think that's that will be the best thing for me to do. Well, here's the perfect segue because our guest this week was actually late because his puppy was eating his curtains. Yeah, that is actually true. This is the perfect way to introduce our guest. He's got a little baby puppy. This week, we've got Dougie Musson. I know him through ASICS, talk to him a lot on Instagram. He's an incredibly inspiring guy, very successful runner. He runs the half marathon in yeah around 64 minutes. He used to be a steeplechaser. His steeplechase time, 3,000 minute steeplechase, for those that know anything about that, is 8.38, which is electric, like a few seconds off, very top level. He also runs 10K 
in under 30 minutes. If you can only relate to the 10K, it's less than 30 minutes. So yeah, pretty sharp. He's just got married, which is really exciting. Um, him and his wife, Jodie, got married in August down in Cornwall. So we talk a bit about that. He works as a social media manager. So he does some really cool photos and stuff. Uh, so yeah, I'm just a big Dougie fan. So it's great to hear how he's dealt with the changes in running and going into full-time work. And yeah, you'll hear a bit about Dougie's life. Then if you've got anything to add, Sam. I just Googled the steeplechase world record for a comparison and it's 753.63 to 40 seconds so that's pretty quick <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> so let's jump into our chat with Doug. Dougie, welcome to the podcast. How are you doing? I'm good, thanks, guys. How are you? I'm well. Sam? Yeah, good, thank you. Dougie, I know you from our ASICS days when we were running with ASICS. You also do sort of content creation, photography, social media. I think it's fair to say similar to me, except you run a lot, lot faster than I do. Yeah, it's been yeah, it's been a while since those ASICS days, I tell you. But yeah, pretty similar um, in terms of kind of, I suppose, approach. A lot less distance, I think, than the news, fair to say. The food you're doing for the distance that you guys are doing, uh, you're doing, sorry, Jack. Yeah, just different, different levels, different, different events. So we'll start, at the, we'll start at the beginning. We'll go all the way back. What was your early life like, home set up, and how did you, when did you first find running? Oh, um, so my childhood was, I was originally from Nottingham, uh, although I'm currently in Birmingham. Uh, Nottingham, for me, was where I, where I started out, and... Running was one of those sports that I kind of fell into, in a sense. My my original passion and I suppose where my heart still kind of lies, in a sense, is rugby. I played rugby all the way uh, from, from a really young age through to about 16, 17, although I wasn't the wasn't the biggest guy. So unfortunately, had to, had to drop that pretty quick and had a lot of endurance. But yeah, not quite big enough for the type of guys that you find in the rugby world nowadays. So I uh, did running in the morning, most of the time cross country before like a rugby match, things like that, and found that I was pretty good at it. I was uh, definitely that kid in the class that had bags of energy, probably to the teacher's misfortune. But um, (laughs) if you channel those in a a sport, in certain sports, then they can be really good. So yeah, I kind of fell into running. Uh, that way. Did you have, did you have siblings at home? Yeah, I did. So I had, a, had an older brother. He dabbled in bits of sports as well. But I grew up in a very sporty, sporty environment. Both my parents are PE teachers. They, yeah, they exposed me to, well, exposed both me and my brother to so many different sports, hockey, football, rugby, even some adventure sports, hiking, uh, canoeing, that sort of thing. So it was very well-rounded. And my dad was a runner himself. He was a pretty good kind of county level runner. So I think he always had so some sort of a master plan to, to channel me in that direction. But what age did it start to become a bit more, well, we'll start with a bit more serious, Not maybe not to the extent you did now, but at what age was it kind of like, okay, this is something I could be quite good at and will therefore pour more energy into? Sure, yeah. So I think the way that it works in, uh, in kind of younger athletics is you've got the school's athletic system. It's still very grassroots in, its, uh, in the way that it's set up, but it's, it can be your first chance of, I suppose, competing on a, on a national stage. So they have the, the English school's competition. I suppose it's kind of like a mini Olympics in that you've got to 
qualify for it. So you have to run a certain certain standard for your age. And that happens in secondary school. So you have pretty much from year seven up to year 11, different age brackets competing. Yeah, it wasn't until probably my last year in that, so the senior category, where I play second. Before that, I'd, I very much just wanted to make the final one. Second nationally. Yeah, so second nationally in the, in the school competition. That was up in Gateshead, which was great fun. I mean, you get to compete against kids. So that was competing for Nottinghamshire, and you compete against kids from all the other different counties across the across the UK. So that's the first, I suppose, national level competition where there was some some pressure and a bit more of kind of notoriety linked to it. So yeah, that was the first time that I thought, hey, I'm, I'm pretty good at this. I, I enjoy it more than anything. There's definitely some opportunities starting to arise. So I kind of just continued it from there, really. She went to Nottingham Trent, right? Yeah. Did you sort of follow, did running lead that kind of decision or um, were you much more focused on kind of stuff outside of running then that was like, ah, oh, this is what I want to do post running. Yeah. So I, I had two years out after sixth form. So I maybe didn't take the traditional route of just one gap year. I had two. During that time, I kind of just worked part time, mainly to facilitate my training. I still lived at home, started to see some success, national competitions, few international representations like you say that then started to inform my decision about university and I knew that I wanted to go I wasn't sure where so I kind of made the call that what I wanted to study and what I wanted to focus on was was still athletic I thought well let me stay at home I can control a lot of variables by doing that my parents uh, are great they're really supportive they uh, I'm fortunate that they get and they understand sport in general so they were there to help me on on the bike on some runs they would take me down to training they they were very much in the know so I'm, I'm really thankful for that by being at home it meant that I kind of missed out maybe on some of the more fun aspects of the university it allowed me to focus on on sport completely which yeah is where things start to really progress and really to to kind of focus more, I suppose. Is there any part of you that regrets not 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 enjoying uni, but looking back, is there any part of you that thinks, oh, I wish I had just partied a little bit more? I know, Sam, you were the same, weren't you, at uni? Obviously, you also have zero regrets, but your uni life was very much dictated by sport rather than partying or the stereotypical uni life. Yeah, I think I was kind of lucky in that my rowing didn't really get serious until partway through second year. So I think I had that uni going out sort of lifestyle first year and partway through second year. I kind of was lucky in the fact I got the best of both worlds. But that's what I was going to ask as well as whether you, if you would go back, would you do it differently? I don't think so, no. I mean, obviously, a very different approach to take when you're at that age where you start to think about kind of partying, I suppose, being more independent. For me, it was maybe the sport that I did. Uh, distance running is is quite a lonely sport at times. You have to get up early. I mean, you, you know from rowing as well, Sam, and uh, Jack yourself with, with Ironman and long distance triathlon. You've got to really focus and put yourself mentally in a position where you're willing to suppose isolate yourself at times it was never really a conscious decision so it's interesting that you say now would I change it I don't think so no if I was still in the same headspace I would I would make the same decision again sport and specifically running has, has changed my life it's it's now uh, as we were saying at the beginning it's, it's formed my career it's formed where my passions are where my interests are so it's one of those kind of subconscious things that I, I guess kind of like 
the, the higher powers that be or kind of what you manifest or what you think about it kind of really plays into that and you kind of set out on a on a path in life and whatever decisions you make even if you don't know that you make them they're they're meant to take you in a direction and i think that was just one of them yeah for sure that's and do you think it also kind of like suits your personality in a way as well? Because I found that wasn't the most outgoing sort of person anyway. So it kind of helped almost the sport gave me almost like an excuse to not have to do that. Yeah, definitely. I think it's not a team sport running necessarily. So to be able to, like I say, isolate yourself a little bit and like you say, focus. I mean, the amount of times that even if, I would go out if it was with just kind of really relaxed with friends or with my other half or whatever it was in the back of your head, you would always think about training the next day, or you would think about what you need to do to prepare yourself. I mean, I always uh, say that elite sport in general, it's never really that moment when you're training, it's thinking about it the night before it, making sure you're recovered, making sure you're hydrated, making sure that you're for the most part eating in the best that you can, you know? So it, it, it consumes your life. And I think if you get exposed to elite sport from an early age, if you really want to harness it, then it can do that to you. Yeah. You can, you can benefit a lot from that because it teaches you some incredibly valuable life lessons, discipline, focus, determination, hard work. But yeah, maybe you miss out on, on a few things, but I suppose, like you say, it depends on your personality. So when you came out of uni, what was the main focus? I know you wanted the direction to be driven by sport uh, and your athletic goals and sort of were trying to find work around that. Um, but what was the main goal with the running? And Yeah, so, I mean, I went to university to study uh, education studies and sports education. So I very much wanted to follow and the footsteps of my parents becoming a, a PE teacher. I quickly learned and they definitely kind of informed me that PE teaching, it's not as it's not as uh, glamorous as it might seem. You, yeah, you get to wear sports kit all day, but still teaching, you're still involved with, with kids and <laughs> a lot of paperwork. There's a lot that goes into it that you maybe don't see when you think that they're just kicking a football around for the whole day. So they quickly taught and, and I knew that that wasn't necessarily the way that I wanted to go. Exactly like you say, I chose to kind of go down the route of finding things that would fit around fit around training. At that point in, in my life and in my running career, I was, you'd probably kind of say semi, semi-elite or second-tier football for those that maybe don't have a reference point. You're not necessarily, the money's not there that you can support yourself, but you are at a level where you're knocking on the door of international competitions and kind of British selection, that sort of thing. Decision point where you think, well, how much, and I'm still young, can I put into this to really make sure that I give this this goal and this dream of a real a real shot so yeah i um i focused on training and i just did ad hoc ad hoc things around that to make sure that i was always ready for always ready for training was tokyo or qualification tokyo a focus at any point or was that something that you knew you may not qualify for and therefore focusing on at the moment um people start following the birmingham track elite and obviously you guys are looking to qualify for the Commonwealth. I'm sure we'll get onto that shortly, but what were the kind of stepping stones you were looking to tick off on the sports side of things? I, I think that, I mean, at that point in my in my athletics, well, I moved coaches. So that was when I moved. The last year of university, I moved from being based in Nottingham to being based in Birmingham. I moved in with my long-term now wife to, to 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 get a place together and to change to a coach that was based over here again decisions to 
to better my running career and to give me more opportunities. Was Jody already living in Birmingham at the time? Were you doing long distance? Yeah, so yeah, yeah. Bizarrely, we um, we actually met at the English schools competition. Very kind of young, as I say, it's kind of a, an area that you can meet athletes from all around the UK. And as you know, you, you meet like-minded people. I mean, it's yeah. a lot of the time you need to if you're going to have a partner for for life, it's someone that needs to kind of understand what you're doing. Maybe not to like the full degree that they do it, but they kind of understand and they really respect that about you. So. Yeah. I met Joe, one of those, and yeah, we had a, a long-term, a long-distance relationship, sorry, and nine and a half years later, it's now turned into my wife, so it obviously worked. Your wedding looked stunning, by the way, I'd like to put in. It looked amazing. Yeah, we had to uh, we had to sneak that in in the middle of the in the middle of the two lockdowns. <laughs> yeah, very well done. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, it was it was at that point that I made I suppose bigger life decisions and I think how old would I have been? Twenty about twenty one at that time, maybe a tad older. And you start to make those decisions as to because I hadn't moved out for university, I knew that I I definitely wanted to move out and start a more formal and a better relationship with, with Jody at that point. So moved out, took some big steps, moving quite a distance just to live and train without having any real supposed career focus at that point. Um was lucky enough to be taken up and coached by then the British champion in steeplechase. He was actually a competitor of mine, but he was coming towards the the kind of end of his career. Um, and one of the first things he, he said to me when we sat down is, I'd never really thought about goals such as the Olympics or international competition. I mean, there were, there were goals, there were dreams, I suppose, with the real purpose to sit down and say, okay, so what about Tokyo? What about these sort of competitions that you legitimately can qualify for? I mean, at that point, I just missed out on going to the European juniors by a handful of seconds. And then the next step was to was to step up to kind of senior level. So it was an eye-opening time in my life because I think you focus more, you, you see what you can achieve. If you put that bit more of effort into it, that bit more of focus, it kickstarts that motivation and that excitement all over again. There's nothing like having a new goal or having a newfound level of motivation to really help you kind of dig harder during the winter. And, and did you find you really kicked on? Because that was one of your better seasons, right? When you moved, the first move to Birmingham and fitting in with that squad and working with Luke, your coach, then coach. You're still coached by Luke? Yeah, I'm still coached by Luke. And yeah, it took, I mean, as with anything, it took a bit of adjustment. So Luke's married, obviously, to Hannah England, who's uh, second place at the World Champs in the 1500. Luke's been to the Commonwealth Games twice himself. There was multiple national, international and um, Olympians within the training setup. It was going from being a biggish fish in a very small pond to being a very small fish in a big pond. Uh, with the, as you guys know, Will, when, when you're training with guys that are, that are better, better than yourself, or have a more professional attitude. It really makes you look at yourself and focus and think, yeah, I need to, if I want to be like these guys or if I even want to try and compete with them, this is the minimum level that I have to put in to even stand on that start line in the same shape or the same mental preparation that those are in. That exposed me to better training facilities. I got to go to altitude camps, front remote, got to go and compete abroad. It just opened my eyes up to a complete different side of athletics and elite sport that I hadn't necessarily been exposed to before yeah that just kind of kickstarts everything is your focus at the minute still 3,000 meter steeplechase because you took a bit of a shift at one stage right to focus on the sort of the road running like the 10k and the half marathon yeah so it's 
Um, I'm coming after you now, Jack. I'm, um, <laughs> Mate, you're well ahead of me. Don't you worry. <laughs> um, we're going to have a race at some point, maybe a virtual one during lockdown. We'll handicap it. Give me 30 minutes. <laughs> yeah, so I'm actually, at the moment, I'm currently on the London Marathon training hub or elite hub that we have set up here in Birmingham. Uh, and my focus for that is is actually moving to the marathon now. Yeah, quite a few quite a few kilometers further than 3k whack another 39 on the end no barriers but yeah it's quite a lot further and the reason for that is just kind of what's what's excited me is like this whole conversation and what we're talking about is life progresses you you have to find something that fits with what you're currently doing so as you said i'm now currently married got a lovely house so i've got a different way of focusing on things just bought a puppy as well lockdown puppy anyone that's thinking about it, definitely the way to go the goalposts change slightly and for me being able to fit the training for a marathon in and around my now uh, nine to five job it works a lot better being having to get on the track when it's light i mean now it's would be prime time to to go down and do a track session but Number one, the track's closed. It's not as easy for me to, to get to. And yeah, it's just not as conducive to being at the office all day, working and then getting up and going and trying to mash out an elite uh, track session, you know. So marathon, it's it's all about attrition. It's all about hard work. And you can do that a lot easier, I suppose, with a, a more formal working uh, environment. So was that decision fueled entirely by work or did the shift come and then work followed. Were you moving back to steeplechase after the 10k and half marathons or did you sort of think, you know, this is more for me? Yeah, I think I did. I did my debut half marathon, not last winter, the winter before. So when are we talking? 2019. 2019. Yeah. And then luckily I was in, luckily I was in selected to run for England over in Spain, which was a great opportunity, really exciting weekend that we kind of got to get to. in Seville. Yeah. Uh, no, no, no. For me, it was a place called Granola's. Okay. which is just well, Barcelona. A bit of a weird course. It's kind of 10K up a mountain, well, up an incline and then 10K down. So you do get downhill in the second half, which is great. But yeah, it was it was more the the idea that you were competing with the amount of people that were involved. There was I got such a buzz from that race and subsequent races I've done, like the Great South, Great Birmingham 10K, Great Birmingham Half as well, those sort of things. You won that at home, right? Yeah, I did. How was that? In the pouring rain. <laughs> that was yeah. uh, it. Was, it's nice. I mean, Birmingham's kind of my adopted home now. I'm still technically reigning champion because he got called off this year. So seeing how long I can last as the uh, Birmingham 10K champion. But <laughs> yeah, running in running in those sort of races, you see a different side to sport. You see the, as I'm sure you've seen competing in Ironman, you, you go back and you see the people that are doing it for the sake of from completing it. That motivates you and inspires you more than you could ever imagine. You only need to look at the finish line of the London Marathon, kind of after that four hour bracket, four to right until they kind of they call the cutoff. You you see stories and you you see people that have no care about the time, have no care about position. It is just a life's achievement to run a marathon. Yeah, I always find it very humbling when you've finished and you know you sort yourself out, you might eat, shower, whatever and spend some time with your fa- well, family, friends, and then go back a few hours later. And there are people that have been battling for the whole time, really battling for an Ironman up to 17 hours. They've been as hard as they can go. And yeah, it's very, very, like you say, it's very inspiring, very humbling. And yet it changes their lives finish, crossing that finish line. Exactly. And I think seeing some of those and being involved in it and being at the fore of of some of those, having people on the sideline that have no care in the world of who you are and how you're doing, that are just cheering you on because they're amazed at how how fast you're running because you're kind of at the fore of the race. Mm. Even if in my 
my personal opinion, I was like, I'm not hitting my splits. I'm not going to get a PB. They were just saying, well done, keep going. And yeah, it makes you, gives you a bigger sense of purpose. And that was really exciting. And it made me definitely look at the roads and, and marathon as a, why people keep going back and catch the running bug. So are you finding more perspective with your running now that you're on road running and you can see kind of what the average runner would run compared to the 3K steeplechase where the majority of people will never run a 3K steeplechase in their lives. So there's no average person benchmark to give you the perspective. Yeah, yeah, somewhat. And a lot of people will have, will have seen a marathon or... Maybe they'll have just flicked over with the London Marathon being on, or they'll know someone that's ran it. And it's it's definitely that you can you have times that are comparable across the board to different people. And it's funny the amount of times that I've said to people like, like "Oh, well, what do you, what sport? Like you do a lot of sporting, you do a lot of running." Like I can't really say to them that I'm a handful of seconds off the Olympic qualifying time in the three k steeplechase. <laughs> say, "Oh, yeah, like I've got the, every opportunity to run that." And they're like, "Okay, what can you do a marathon in?" And you're like, "Yeah, no, really exciting. It's really cool. Like I'm a, only a handful of seconds and come fourth in the British champs and." okay cool like have you done a park run and it's like it's these it's these things that everybody can understand that yeah it really connects uh, the running community and i mean the job i do now I'm, I'm very much involved with all different levels of runners yeah i was gonna ask how much seeing the wider community through work has influenced your sort of running choices so we should say you your social media manager for up and running which is a chain of uk-based run shops yeah yeah no uh bang on it's um it's been great and i mean it's really nice to see i i work out of the birmingham store when i walk through to get to my office it's to see or hear people here like the reasons that they're coming in they've just started the catch to 5k program or whatever it is they just generally want advice and they just enjoy it they they love being out in nature and i think it reconnects you to the purposes why i started it's it can be quite easy to get caught up in elite sport in general the the want to always do better and for some part you know that you can always do better and you have these internal goals that you set yourself uh, i mean I'm, I'm sure i'm not um, any different to kind of anyone else that you've spoken to in, in that sense but when you hear about the people that are doing it like i say just for the for the sake of doing it or just for the pure love or the enjoyment of doing it it changes your perspective and it it is really more of a humbling and it's more of an appreciation for the sport and for what it's given you how you can still get so much from that and not necessarily be caught up on hitting your splits or did you find yourself getting quite trapped towards the end of your steeplechase career you know i need to hit this i'm not hitting this i'm not quite where you perceived you wanted to be because there was less relativity and you're surrounded by people that are at the real cutting end yeah i think you the opportunities in in track and fields very much you, you kind of be the top level like mo farah jess ennis those sort of real high level athletes and then you have kind of a, a little bit of a, a semi elite underneath that with some european international races then it drops off quite considerably the opportunity to to kind of get into those races the funding needed to kind of i suppose justify some of the decisions that you make every time i've been to altitude which has been a beautiful experience i've loved it and i've never regretted it once you're there for three weeks to adapt properly and correctly and um, and that's kind of always out of like my own pocket and my own love and my own passion but there's only a finite amount of time that you can you can kind of do that before like a say life and everything kind of catches up with you yeah because then you have to justify it you know there's obviously in your case two people and a little yeah. puppy involved now as well you know there's lots of other costs going on that it's hard to justify when you're running around in circles in a high place for three weeks hey it's not just running around in circles <laughs> 
no, of course. But I mean, you know, there's lots of other financial burdens going on that you then have to justify it. Not necessarily to them. It wouldn't be that Jody would ever ask and say why. It's you have to try and justify it to yourself on behalf of them. Yeah, 100%. Exactly. It got to that point where you start questioning a few things. Maybe you don't get into a few races you you have you don't get the opportunity to really translate what you've been doing in training into the race yeah it becomes a bit trickier and that's why the the shift to marathon is suppose it's opened a few more doors for me like i say i'm now on the london marathon elite hub program which has allowed uh, a few extra uh, perks for myself which is which is great and really kind of eases the burden of things and really helps me to to get more out of this experience and, and prepping for a marathon and so is that at the moment the sole focus is to run a marathon as fast as you can yeah have you still got half an eye on the sort of 10k in the half i mean yeah for, for me the the next the next goal is to, to run a marathon i'm currently i've sat down with uh, my coach one of the guys from the hub on Friday actually and we started to, to map out what, what it looks like to, to prep for, for a marathon it's going to be obviously a lot more mileage it's going to be a lot more hard work a lot more attrition especially over the winter we're, we're hoping to aim for something around the spring time depending on races there's a few few possibilities of some British uh, British only races um, kind of elite ones happening in the UK especially ahead of the Olympics so we'll we'll see what what opens up yeah just excited to kind of go through the the whole process so. Was was the meeting before or after your one fifty nine twenty mile jog? <laughs> that was after, yeah. With lockdown and, and work, fortunate not to be on furlough currently, so yeah. I am still working. And although I'm kind of obviously working from home, and allows me to, I suppose, to, to get a bit more training in, in in the daylight just before work. It, it is still a, uh, it's kind of a normal working regime for me so yeah i've had to kind of kickstart a little bit of little bit of training and it, it's been quite mad so at the moment i'm kind of getting back into some solid base i think the last three weeks i've had about 20 percent additional mileage every week uh, more sessions in longer runs yeah it's getting to that point where i think december going to be the start of a, a traditional 12 to 16 week, week build yeah yeah i mean if you've got any tips for me then yeah I'd, I'd love to hear them i'm sure i'll just be nothing that you don't already know i'm sure but um i think the thing that surprises most people is it won't surprise you dougie obviously but an elite marathon runner takes on in a race you know when kipchoge ran 159 he took on nearly 150 grams of carbs or something crazy through morton and to the average runner that's running four hours on three gels and that seems pretty crazy yeah i mean that's something that i'm definitely i'm excited and that's the thing as well with this whole prep it's i'm excited to, to try these new things and to try fueling to try these crazy long runs uh yeah just to, to kind of mix things up a little bit because whatever it is i'm i'm 26 years old i've been chasing after a few dreams of mine for a good few years now and with the goalposts kind of changing every so often with funding and with qualifying times and and whatnot you do start to get a bit disheartened with with some things and you you start to question like can i make it can i really achieve these dreams and it's nothing like like a new fresh goal how did you find dealing with those things because obviously that is tough and weighs on you when your singular focus is to achieve these things through running and then sort of 20 2018 most into 2019 and then might not hit goals and then you know push that okay 2020 that'll happen and then there's been no racing this year so we've all had to adapt how have you been dealing with kind of the struggles and the setbacks of the last couple of years uh for me it's it's very much a case i mean my other half's taught me some some great great tips and tricks in terms of 
being more mindful. She's way more into meditation and has definitely been trying to pull me into that. It's about, I suppose, kind of removing yourself from those those constant thoughts. So being more mindful about what you're achieving, how far you've actually come. It sounds silly, but I, I've done things in the past where I physically wrote a Writ down all of the the achievements that that I've done, whether no matter how big or small they've been, because you need to you need to remind yourself how far you've come. I don't think that sounds silly at all. I think we've had guests on a couple of episodes ago, Fraser and Scarlett, um, two of our best friends. They've just were both international athletes and have just set up a business, and they were almost surprised when we said to them we deem you as some of our most successful friends so yeah i think a lot of people will kind of just brush under the carpet successes and stuff so i think making a list is actually a great idea yeah so that's that's been big for me it's also surrounding yourself with the people that keep you they keep the faith keep supporting you and ultimately i mean love you no matter what you know that's been one of the things for me this year especially lockdown getting little luna the puppy it sounds silly but a dog is a or a pet in general is a great way to remind you that whatever you do in life there's always going to be someone or something that unconditionally loves you and doesn't care about whatever you've achieved in that day whether it's been good or bad that's just the that's an extreme obviously I mean probably she probably just wants to be fed (laughs) sometimes having those cues having those things around you that bring you back into that moment to think yeah actually I've done really well today I mean that that um, two hour run that you you spoke about last week I I would have loved to have gone faster I mean one of my one of the things I was thinking when I was running, I was like, oh, I wonder if I can get 20 miles in under two hours. And then I got towards the end of it and I was thinking, oh, actually, I'm starting to feel a bit a bit tired here. This is my first long run in a while. Mm. Got home and I could have easily just said to myself, oh, you didn't hit that. You, you, you were thinking about it on the way there. You, you wanted to try and hit it, but you didn't. That could have been a downward spiral, but I suppose it's the, the things you implement to allow yourself to, to remove those thoughts and just to hit pause for a second and allow more of conscious and rational thinking. Yeah, keep keep the positivity and not let yourself get drugged down. But we're all our biggest, our own biggest critics, right? I just think it's stuff like that. Is it doesn't matter what level you're at. Things like that make such a big difference. And I know there's me and one of the other girls in the team a couple of weeks ago had to go into another week of isolation training mm-hmm. um, because we were in contact of someone and she was dreading it. We'd done however many weeks in the first lockdown and we knew how crap it was going to be training again from the kitchen. I was like well let's just at the end of each day we'll send we'll send each other three positive things out of the day and it didn't matter like how big or how small these positive things were but it really made you think actually there is definitely some positives in every situation just depending on how you look at it and you can look at it in two different ways that you can look you can see the negative or actually you spend a bit longer and you can flip the positive out of it and it definitely helped me just in that week of training back in the kitchen again yeah, at the end of the day it's all a big mind game isn't it you know you can't stress is one big lump sum there's no like the response is the same there's no you can't separate the stress of training to outside life to you know solving problems it all goes into one big pot and if you're carrying that into training and into racing and beyond or even into your home and home and family life then it all starts to take a bit of a a negative hit so by staying on top of the the mental health side of things although a lot of the time easier said than done 
Uh, if you make active choices and put these processes in place, then it can help all round. And because I think that's the thing people forget about most is when they see on Instagram or Strava, you know, people, me following your Strava, Dougie, you know, I absolutely love it. And a lot of the time to me, whether you're going slowly or fast relatively to you, the runs appear very fast, but then it's easy to forget that, you know, not every day is easy for you. And, um, you know, you have your own struggles and along the way and you don't really see that through the, the phone screen at the other end 100 percent, yeah it, it's really important to remind yourself of that and just just another quick one on that you say like what's what's definitely helped me in the last few years and i realize that i'm currently currently sat in my bedroom and on my uh, nightstand i'm currently reading the chimp paradox oh uh, yeah with steve peters oh yeah yeah one of the things for me recently has been, been reading it's it's been learning more about not just your craft but also the areas that that we that we're talking about you know some great books about when I'm retired is it was one of the first books that I read about three or four years ago that completely changed my opinion on elite sport in general. There's been a few others, Alex Hutchinson, I can't remember the name of the... Uh, Endure the Curiously Elastic Limits of Human Performance. Yes, which was another one that... Fantastic book, yeah. Completely, completely blew my mind. And so it's 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 reading these sort of books that, I mean, when I was younger, I'd probably look at them and think, well, why, someone read, why does someone need to read that? I mean, that's, that's silly. That's just basic, isn't it? But a lot of the time, it's just really affirming what you, you you do know and you instinctively and intuitively know but sometimes you just need to hear it from an external source yeah i find that other sports people's autobiographies as is like the same sort of thing like listening to them also going through a similar situation but also how they deal with it and how they cope because everyone has their own different ways and you can like pick out things that other people have done and try them for yourself and come up with your own sort of coping mechanism yourself but reading it from someone else that you deem successful lifts a weight off your shoulders that you're not the only one definitely um i want to i want to flip it on the head now i'm going to ask you guys what what's the best autobiography or book that you guys have read that, that's changed your perception on, on elite sport or, or sport in general i think endure is right up there mm -hmm. i really liked alex Hutchinson has a very good way of explaining things and yeah. breaking it down so that kind of quite complicated sciences that have taken him a long time to perceive and learn that book was probably the catalyst for, you know, what's next, kind of actually if I focus much more on the, my mindset side of things and the way I perceive what I'm doing and what's happening around me, that could hugely change. And the barriers that I set myself, you know, actually if you're fearful of these barriers, then it's really difficult to hit them as if you like detach numbers and step through to explore what the actual potential is. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I find all that, the science of that really inspiring. I think the first one... I read what, one of the ones was Laura Trott and Jason Kenny's book that they did together. There's like one part of it where Jason Kenny was talking about being nervous at his first race. It didn't go very well. And he basically put it down to the fact that he was nervous. And so he decided that he wasn't going to get nervous again. I just thought it was like amazing that he had this ability to just say that to himself than to act on it. Because I think I don't think any psychologist would ever just turn around and say to you, well, just don't get nervous. He just seemed to have that mental like, ability and mental strength to just be like, well, I'm just not going to get nervous again because it wasn't beneficial for my racing. I wouldn't say that that's what I can do. Just that confidence in making a decision now, if I get nervous, it's like, well, these aren't bad nerves. Like, these are good nerves. 
and just being so set-minded on that. Another one that I read was one of Johnny Wilkinson's mixed opinions about him because some of the stuff that he talks about and being a perfectionist and doing everything right and I think he's the epitome of a very professional athlete and I don't think he left anything unturned he was playing rugby at the top of his career but when you listen to him talk about it now it looks at it as though it was toxic I mean he recently did a podcast I had to listen to it in three parts because it's so deep and there are some things he talks about in that which you need to go away and look up and read because it's like next level psychology who is that with Sam on the high performance it's called the high performance podcast that he does it's Jake Humphrey another guy do it he was on and honestly it was it was seriously intense him talking about his from his childhood and then all the way through his rugby career and he talks about how toxic it is and but you read that and you think okay like this is why he's so good this is why he was the best and now he looks back and he's like it was not like he lived and breathed professional rugby and it wasn't good for him and it was toxic he still says he would go and do it the same again i also think uh ronnie o'sullivan's book running is very good for like perspective of you know ronnie was a very talented runner but it kept him on the kind of straight and narrow through a lot of his career that nothing else could and for someone that struggled so much with like mental health and drugs and alcohol like what running has offered him or definitely i think we we take for granted when as athletes you're kind of like you know you try and eat the right stuff you try and get your eight to ten hours sleep every night you know you keep stress to a minimum you and you you jump through all these hoops a lot of the time that you've picked up off other athletes or the people around you or like books podcasts you kind of put together this kind of formula that you think leads to success it's easy to forget about the other side of sport just actually changes people's lives and uh, improves it and just adds this positivity that we so easily overlook definitely uh yeah Mm. yeah, hit the nail on the head there i actually have a question for dougie this is something that i've thought about before so when people are going through like their mental health things and things that the doctors prescribe is exercise is very good and going out and going for a run Mm -hmm. for athletes and especially i'd say runners quite often stress of the sport is from running so Mm -hmm. how would you try and replicate that runner's high that they talk about and the endorphins that running gets yeah that that, i mean that's a great question i think if i if i frame it obviously for myself i don't know about other runners but for me what helped during the first lockdown was funnily enough it was still running it it, like you say it's both a blessing and a curse in that if you're an elite runner how do you take yourself away from elite running well you just take the elite side out. You still run. You still become a runner. You still are a runner. I got a pair of trail shoes. Getting some trail shoes, heading out, it, it removes that that thought of pace because you're going up and down hills. You're going over stiles. You're going through mud. You you physically can't, I suppose, track. There's no comparable. Ultimately, when I get a lot older and I can no longer compete on the elite stage, I'm not going to all of a sudden say, right, that's it. I'm stopping running. Let me go take up snooker, or let's go take up dart. I'm I'm still going to run. I'm I'm an avid runner. I, I always will be. I think it's pretty much ingrained in me. For me, it was just to to connect to nature and 
I think that's that's something anyway that, that people can do if they if they are struggling obviously during lockdown and being inside is find a way to just connect with the outside world with nature in particular it's so important so so important yeah i mean i started running with my phone started running with headphones listening to music listening to podcasts you put a bob marley song on and you go for a run with it you can't help but smile i'm pretty sure there's there's not a bob marley song that one person doesn't like you know so it's that sort of you've got to get that feel good feeling back associated to the sport and to, to what it is that you may be having a bit of trouble with it wouldn't have been good to just step away and say, I'm not going to do anything to do with it. And then I'm going to come back afresh. You're not working through those problems. I think I had to find a way to fall back in love with it whilst not giving up on it. Did lockdown coincide with that shift? Yeah. Oh, definitely. Yeah. I think ultimately you need to start looking, start like, like Sam was saying, start looking for those little wins, start looking for those little glimmers of, of sunshine, you know, don't maybe start tuning yourself into a different frequency, connect with something that is going to bring you that, that smile that is going to bring you into a nicer headspace. Yeah. That's, that's super important. So what's your, so you're waking up in the morning, I'm assuming you do most of your training now before work. Mm -hmm. Um, two, Two questions about that. First of all, what's your kind of morning routine to get you into that, into that good headspace so that you leave the door with good intentions? For me, it's get up, Coffee, quick coffee. I'm a I'm a massive coffee fan. Get up, coffee, put my running on straight away. That way I haven't got any sort of an excuse to say that it's too cold or it's too dark or whatever. Uh, I actually, I run fasted in the morning, so I don't have any breakfast. I just get up and go pretty much. Make the, make the decision when you're out there as to how you're feeling. You know, some of those, obviously I will have, I'll have a set schedule. I've got some sessions to do. Putting yourself in, in the, in the right frame of mind. And for me, that's wake up coffee and just get out the door how are you finding the shift from obviously the intensity will have shifted in your training currently but fitting that in around work have you found that to be more difficult or actually enjoyed the added structure to the kind of day bit of both i think it depends on depends on session day if it's a just a normal topping up the mileage recovery day i can quickly find myself dawdling getting out the door or dawdling when I get back and getting to my desk and things like that. But when there is that structure there that says, right, I need to go and do this session. I need to make sure therefore that I'm back and I've fueled. I suppose when, when that elite athlete takes over, something kind of flips inside your head. If you want to make the level that you want to stay at the level that you're currently at and or ultimately improve, which I'm guessing most of the listeners will want to do in some way or another. It's about flipping that switch in your head and going into that elite beast mode and just saying okay i'm now an elite athlete i need to train focus and do everything i can to optimize this space of time because ultimately i can't delay it to later for it to be nicer weather because i've got to do work it sets those parameters that you need to get out the door because if not you're not going to get the session in most of your stuff is probably self-driven and kind of the goals you have to set in a work setting for yourself you know you decide how you take how you drive the social media and the marketing of the company forwards um how do you find the crossover between like running and business and kind of applying the lessons you've learned from both it might go the other way around that maybe going back into work has taught you some things about running as well yeah i mean they're both comparable business and elite sport they're both uh driven with the idea that you want to succeed and whatever that's um success means so if it's a qualifying time pb or if it's ultimately to grow your business or to have more followers or to increase your exposure, whatever it might be, they are fueled 
or they do work on binaries like that. So there's a goal you work towards that goal. The, the, the crossovers and the comparables between the two is that you you ultimately have to make a plan. You have to decide what your goal is. You have to make a plan and you have to execute that plan to the best of your ability. And once you either ultimately achieve it or you don't, you look back and you, you see why, you decipher, you, you have a look, you reevaluate, and then you go again. Not worrying where the end point is, as long as you are making steps forward it's about consistently doing that so we've got some set questions that we ask everyone one is quite one's just quite comical but uh, i don't know if you'll have anything that springs to mind the craziest thing you've purchased in the last 12 months either most expensive or most frivolous is probably the word it's not expensive it is i suppose crazy and bizarre for our wedding we obviously because it's a covid wedding we had to wear masks for many uh, many points of it so we actually got personalized oh, um, uh, masks mr and mrs yeah with a date on yeah so that's probably the craziest slash weirdest i mean they're in memento now in the hallway they're in a I was gonna say, have you worn it since no <laughs> no yeah because we got married down in cornwall i think a few times on the way back when we stopped at the services we wore them to, to head into the service station but yeah now they take pride of place in the hallway and if you could go back and tell your younger self anything maybe multiple things what would it be um, and obviously why i think i would just i would go back and say don't panic or don't be anxious you growing up in, in elite sport you can put a lot of anxiety on yourself to perform to fit in to if you've if you've achieved a certain level to to get back to that level uh, or to ultimately better that and yeah to just not to not be anxious about things to let things happen what will be will be ultimately you will achieve whatever you can in whatever sport or whatever domain that is as long as you can look at everything that you've done and say to yourself i have tried the hardest i have made every decision that was for the betterment of myself or for the direction that i was going at that point then you can you can be happy with it you can wipe your hands once you step back from whatever it is that you're doing and say i gave it my best shot hey, i think you've um, summarized everything you said super well and um, it's been an absolute pleasure to catch up with you again it's great to hear how you've actually taken what what was originally your goals and just like let them morph and continue as you've sort of progressed over the last couple of years rather than letting yourself dwell on them or any external pressures say what you should have or could have done and you just kind of accepted that you are on the right track and you're doing great stuff. And yeah, um, yes, really nice that you yourself can see that. I'm super excited to see what you do in the marathon and beyond. Thank you. I think it's been, it's been really, a really nice chat, actually, just talking about stuff and hearing sides from another sport that I actually don't have that much experience in at all. So yeah, no, it's been, it's been really nice and fun. So thank you very much for coming on. It's been a pleasure and we'll have to catch up soon. Go for a run when you're in York or Harrogate yeah. or Leeds. No, definitely. Um, thank you for having me as well, guys. Yeah, I found that really interesting, Sam. How did you how did you find that chat with Dougie? I think for me, this this chat was kind of nice. I didn't know anything about him, so it was almost like me like well, it was meeting someone for the first time. Just being able to hear about an athlete that's still competing and is like still going through 
the highs and the lows and how they've dealt with hiccups and things changing, but also still looking towards the future. Because um, a lot of the guests we've had on before, their sporting careers, they're kind of looking back on them. So I think it was really interesting. And I really liked when he kept talking about the goalposts moving, because that's something that we talk a lot about in rowing as well that things changing isn't always a negative don't ever think about the goals disappearing and stuff it is the fact they're just moving like you still have the goals there to achieve so yeah i thought it was really really insightful and yeah quite nice to compare compare sports almost and mindsets within the sports yeah i mean i said it before the podcast i'm a huge dougie fan and uh, i followed his journey for three four years now and it was he's a big inspiration for my running like i'd love to be able to run like dougie and it's really nice to have seen him adapt to the new challenges and rather than dwell on things he hasn't done he just talks very fondly on what he's achieved he's very good at reflecting as to where he's got to and he's not he knows he's done some really incredible stuff and is letting that fuel his motivations moving forward. I think it'll be really exciting to see what he does next. And it's great to see that he's very process, not outcome orientated. So he's just enjoying falling back in love with running and controlling what he can and getting on with it and um, he's obviously got a good support bubble helping him that he knows he's, he's fortunate to have and it's just great to hear him talk about that and be in such a good space at the moment yeah I think it's really really clear how much he genuinely just loves running yeah you can take away all of the competitive element away from it it sounds like he would still go out and enjoy running whereas I think for me with rowing is I do really enjoy it but once I've achieved what I want to achieve in the sport, I can't necessarily see myself getting back on an ergo. Maybe going out in a boat once in a while, but not not like I think he would do with running. Yeah, it's also great to see that now he's connecting with the wider community of runners. You know, from working up and running, he appreciates he always has but appreciates the the wider involvement in the sport, and that he's letting that fuel is inspiration and motivation moving forward and he's really getting getting involved with that and yeah. i think there's a lot of people that if you took social media away as the example i definitely follow people that if you took social media away and strava and everything else and said no one will ever know if you go for a run again or not they'd probably stop running so it's really nice to know that like dougie's intentions are just so pure and so good and yeah it just makes his life a better place with running in it and yeah so yeah as always um like and subscribe leave us a review if you have enjoyed it and if you've got any ideas for a guest for us then we'll try and get that organized so we will be back a few weeks time once jack's back from his trip to florida with a new guest so keep a lookout for the next episode we'll see you then bye